few weeks ago on why bother to pray. And I feel like the Holy Spirit is laying foundations in Gateway Church right now. I preached a series on uh, worship. I preached a series on grace. I preached a series on evangelism. I preached a series on giving. And now I believe the Lord wants us to talk about prayer. Prayer is foundational in the church. We can't go on without prayer. Let me tell you something. If you need a breakthrough in any area of your life, you actually need a breakthrough in the area of prayer. If you need a breakthrough in your finances, listen to me, you need a breakthrough in prayer. If you need a a, a breakthrough in your marriage, if you need a breakthrough with your children, if you need a breakthrough in your job, if you need a breakthrough in your spiritual life, you really need a breakthrough in prayer. Now, don't tune me out when we talk about prayer. See, the problem is when I I announced a few months ago, you know, I'm going to preach on giving. That's something we say, oh, and we just immediately tune the pastor out. But God spoke to us some wonderful truths in the area of giving. Don't tune me out because, listen to me, prayer is not a drudgery. Prayer is not a duty. Prayer is a privilege. It is amazing to me how Satan has turned it around and actually caused prayer to be considered a duty by Christians or a drudgery or something else, some other requirement that God thought of that we just have to do and we don't do enough of it so we feel guilty. Listen, God wasn't sitting around in heaven and thought, you know, what What? What requirement can we come up with for our children, for the people of God, for Christians, that they won't do it enough and then they'll feel guilty? Let's think of one more requirement that we could come up with to make them feel guilty. That wasn't how God created prayer. God literally wants to talk to us. Think about this. Prayer is a privilege. It is absolutely unbelievable when you think about it. We get to talk with and take our problems and desires to the creator of the universe. That's what prayer is all about. Prayer is absolutely wonderful. It is a a, a tremendous privilege that we get to talk to the creator of the universe and take our problems to him. Prayer is, is transferring burdens. That's my my uh, a definition of prayer that is just a very simple definition. Prayer is transferring burdens. Many times as Christians, we carry burdens that we were not designed to carry. We carry burdens that God never intended us to carry. I was um, I was talking to a woman a while back, and she was upset because her husband didn't go to church. Uh, and she had a real burden to have a Christian family. And she was just so burdened about this. And I said to her, uh, the problem is, I mean, I want your husband to be a Christian and go to church too, but the reason that you're so stressed out, the reason that you're so burdened about this is, really, you're carrying a burden that God never intended you to carry. God never intended you to carry the burden of having a Christian family. Listen to me. The reason is it's not your responsibility. I said to her, it's not your responsibility to have a Christian family. It's your responsibility to be a Christian. And we get very stressed out, literally, because we don't carry our burdens to God in prayer. Now, I'm sharing with you tonight about personal prayer. Let me tell you how I learned to have a personal prayer time. I learned to have a personal prayer time, or a quiet time as we say, because I was having tension headaches. I was very stressed out. And I, I was going to the doctor, and I didn't understand what it was. And 
The doctor didn't understand why he couldn't knock it out. He was having to give me more and more medication. I said, what? And he, he ordered a CAT scan because he thought something was wrong. And I said, why are you so concerned? He said, you, you don't understand. The medication that it's taking to knock these headaches out, um, he said, and he gave, he used a football, football illustration. He said, Robert, I'm not talking about the difference between running the ball 10 or 20 yards. I'm talking about two or three football fields. That's, that's how much medication it's taken to knock out this, these headaches. That's what I'm talking about. So they did all the tests. Nothing was wrong. He came back to me after all the tests and he said, okay, I know why you're having headaches. I said, why? He said, tension, stress. I said, I'm not tense. I'm not tense about anything. And, and by the way, hurry up because I have an appointment after this. You know, I need to go. I, I had this busy schedule. And, and what hap, what's happening, what was happening to me was that every day has stress. You know, uh, Matthew 6 tells us that sufficient for the day are the troubles therein. In other words, every day is going to have its own amount of trouble. And what happens is when you don't know how to have a personal prayer time in the morning, then you have one day stress and you don't take that stress then to God. So the next day you have that day stress. And then you don't take that stress to God, so the next day you have that day stress, and you have one day stress on top of another day stress on top of another day stress. So I said, well, God, I, I, I really, uh, and, and this is what the Lord said to me. He said, you're not having a quiet time. I said, God, I really don't know how to have a quiet time. See, I tried for years to have a quiet time. I grew up hearing you're supposed to have a quiet time. And uh, I used to get manuals. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen these manuals, but I used to get these manuals about how to have a quiet time. Now, personally, I think they ought to rename these manuals, you know. Uh, these manuals are how to have a quiet time. Really, I think they ought to name them how to have a busy time uh, or, or how to have a loud time. Think about the word quiet time, <laughs> how to have a quiet time. You know what quiet means? It means be quiet. It means be quiet. I mean, here we are having how to have a quiet time, and yet we're not quiet through the whole thing. We don't, we're not quiet. We're talking the whole time. I remember I was supposed to pray for all the elected officials, and I was supposed to pray for even the dog catcher. You know, I was supposed to pray for everybody. And I got so far behind, I just quit. And, and really, the, the, this quiet, these quiet time manuals weren't helping me to be less stressful. They were making me more stressful. Because I couldn't do everything they said to do. I couldn't keep up with them, you know. I just felt terrible. I got feeling more and more guilty. So I said, God, teach me, please, how to have a personal prayer time or a quiet time. Now, before I tell you what the Lord told me about how to do it, I'm going to give you in a moment, I'm going to give you four steps to start. And I want to tell you, God will teach you how to have a quiet time. But I'll give you four steps to start. But before I do that, I want to blow away some myths. Number one, a myth about personal prayer. These are three myths about personal prayer. Number one, you can only pray from 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. This is a myth. This is not in the Bible. You can only pray from 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. Most people feel like that I, I can't have a quiet time because I can't get up at the hour I'm supposed to have a quiet time when all the other spiritual people get up. Maybe we get up late and, and we think, well, they're closed or, you know, it's after business hours for God. You know, God's going to say, uh, sorry, uh, we're closed. Uh, you should have come earlier when all the other spiritual people came. But because you're such a, a lazy person, 
uh, you can't have a quiet time. That's what we used to think. Well, prayer is relational. It doesn't have to be at five in the morning. I mean, can you imagine? I'm I'm I'm, I'm married. Can you imagine me saying to my wife, um, you know, honey, I can't kiss you because it's after six a.m. and we can only kiss between five a.m. and six a.m. You don't have to pray only from 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. You don't have to have your quiet time when other people have theirs. So that's the first myth I want to blow away. Second myth is you must pray at least one hour. Now, I, I've, I've heard this. Uh, you know, I, I, there, I've heard these stories about these people who pray three and four hours a day. You know, I don't know if you've heard about those people. You know, pray three and four hours a day. Let me just tell you something about anyone who prays three or four hours a day. Two things. Number one, they don't have children. And number two, they don't have a job. So uh, don't feel guilty if you can't pray as long as you've heard other people that pray. You know, I mean, if you've got a job and you've got small children, you don't have three or four extra hours a day. So and then what I'm saying here is, you know, you must pray at least one hour. That's a myth. That's not true. That's not in the Bible. I know there's a scripture about the disciples praying one hour, and there was even a prayer guide about that a few years ago. You know, could you not tarry one hour? Uh, and I tried. I tried. I got up. I was so excited, you know. I'm going to pray an hour. I'm finally going to be spiritual. I'm going to pray an hour like all the spiritual people do. So I got up. I started praying. I prayed about my family. I prayed about the church. I prayed about everything I could think of. I, I you know, I, I even... Uh, you know, prayed about world peace. You know, I, mean, I just prayed about everything I could think of. I looked down at my watch. You know what it said? Eight minutes. Eight minutes. I had 52 more minutes. I mean, I, I just looked up at God. I said, you, you know, you got any ideas? <laughs> I, I, I felt like he said, yeah, go back to bed. <laughs> I mean, you, know, I, I, you don't have to pray an hour. It's okay. Sometimes I have great prayer times in the shower. And I know that, you know, that doesn't sound spiritual to people, but I do. I talk to God in the shower. I just changed the title of that whole prayer series. I call it now, Could You Not Tarry for an Hour for a Shower? Well, here's the third myth. Your prayer journal must sound like the Bible. You know, if you're going to write down what God speaks to you, let me just, let me just free you up right now. You don't have to write it down in old King James English. Your prayer journal doesn't have to sound like some spiritual book or, or like the Bible. You know, uh, this one guy used to always read his journal to us. And I don't know if he wrote it. You know, I know God was speaking to him, but, but sometimes I, I wonder if he wrote things just so he could read to us, you know. And it always sounded real spiritual. One, he read this one day, and this is what it sounded like. Thou shouldest show kindness to thy brother today. And thou shalt not speak unkindly, but thou shalt endeavor to keep the most holy unity of thy blessed faith. That's what his journal sounded like, really. I went back to the same day and looked in my journal. You know what I wrote down for the same day in my journal? You know what I wrote down? Try not to be a jerk today. That's, that's what I wrote down. I mean, that's the way God speaks to me. Try not to be a jerk today. And you know what? It helped me that day. Several times during the day I remembered, try not to be a jerk. And help me that day. So just write down in your own words what God is saying to you. Now, I want to give you four steps to start. Four steps to start to have a personal prayer time or a quiet time. Number one, quiet 
your mind. That's the number one thing I want to tell you. Quiet your mind. Or you could also write it this way, clear your mind. See, the battle is in our minds. We have so many thoughts going through our minds, it's hard to concentrate. Psalm 131, verse 2, David said, Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. David said, I've calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child when that child is with, with his mother. And so you take a child and you try to wean that child, you try to take that child away from his mother, what's he going to do? He's going to scream. He's going to throw a fit. He's going to get upset, right? Well, what David is saying is, my soul, I have quieted my soul. I have calmed my soul like a weaned child when he's with his mother. See, it, when our souls are with the Lord, there's a calmness and a peace on them, on our souls, like a child when he's with his mother. Your soul is restless and stressed out when it's not resting in God's bosom. The battle is in our minds, and our minds are part of our soul. You know, uh, I'll, I'll try to pray, and my mind will come up with everything that I need to think about for that day and for that week. I mean, I'm trying to pray, and my mind will say, Hey, 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 don't forget you have to go to the cleaners today. Hey, 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 don't forget about that meeting today. Wonder what he wants. Wonder what he wants to talk about. Hey, hey, what, what are you going to do about that bill? Hey, 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 hey. You ever had your mind? Hey, you ever had your mind do that to you? Hey, 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 hey. What are you going to do about family vacation? Hey, hey. What? What? Wonder why she didn't call you back. What, wonder if she's mad at you. Hey, hey. I mean, you're trying to pray, and what is your mind doing? Hey, 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 hey. Just keeps on doing it, right? Psalm 62, verse one. David said, truly my soul silently waits for God. From him comes my salvation. Listen to that verse again, Psalm 62, 1. Truly my soul silently, silently waits for God. And verse 5, same chapter, Psalm 62, verse 5, David addresses his soul and says, my soul wait silently for God alone. For my expectation is from him. Now, you know what David was telling his soul? Shut up. Be quiet. Be quiet. I, I, I sat there and for the first three to four minutes of my quiet time, I'm saying to my soul, to my mind, I don't receive that in Jesus' name. Go in Jesus' name. Go in Jesus' name. And I'm trying to get to the place where my mind can just be quiet before God. Now remember again, it is a quiet time. Not a busy time. Not a loud time. It is a quiet time. The reason many of us are so stressed out, so worried, and even have health problems is because we're not having quiet times. We're never slowing down. Now, don't take this wrong, what I'm about to say. Don't take this wrong, please. But I can feel my heart and my breathing slowing down. And it needs to slow down. I need to just relax in his presence. So the first thing is quiet your mind or clear your mind. 
Second thing is focus your mind. Now, these are the steps that the Lord gave me, okay? And I'm telling you again, he may give you some different steps. That's okay. But I said, Lord, what do you want me to do next? This is what he said. I want you to worship. I said, uh, you want me to what? He said, I want you to worship. I said, well, um, how, how do you want me to worship? He said, you know how to worship. I said, well, you know, I knew what he was saying, but I just couldn't believe he was telling me to do it. I said, well, you want me to sing? He said, yeah, I want you to sing. I said, um, uh, have you, uh, have you, have you, have you heard me sing? Now, I want to tell you something. There's a scripture in the Bible that most of us know, and there's a part of it that I feel like we haven't focused on. And so I have kind of focused on it, but the Lord used the same scripture and the part that I have not focused on to teach me a lesson. The Bible says God looks at the heart. 1 Samuel 16. God looks at the heart, but man looks at the outward appearance. Now, the part that we focused on a lot in the body of Christ is God looks at the heart. God looks at the heart. And the part that the Lord spoke to me about a few years ago was, hey, man looks at the outward appearance. And we're trying to reach men, right? People. So why, why are we not doing things with excellence in the church? Why don't we dress with excellence? Why, why, why not have the worship team be presentable with excellence? Why not present the message with correct grammar and, and excellence in what we say and what we do and have the PowerPoint presentation be excellent? And why? Why am I trying to do that? Why? Because man looks on the outward. And I'm trying to reach people. That's why we have a church. We're trying to help people. So we should do things with excellence. That's a big deal with me. Everybody knows that. But I'd kind of forgotten about the other part of the verse. God looks at the heart. We were in a church a while back, and Brady and uh, Jeff and I were there. And and just to be honest with you, the worship was terrible. I, I I don't mean it was bad. I mean it was terrible. They were off-key. They weren't together. The way they were dressed, the platform, everything about it, everything about their presentation was terrible. And uh, I remember this, uh, there was a lady leading worship, and she, she hit a bad note. And, I mean, it was bad. It was real bad. It was like hitting the, the white key and the black key beside each other on a piano at the same time, you know. And uh, I just kind of cringed. I got, ooh, you know, kind of cringed on the inside. And, and I kind of just said, in, in, inside, but the Lord heard it, I, I kind of went, ooh, did you hear that? And immediately the Lord said, no. And I said, um, you, you didn't hear her hit that bad note? And he said, no. And that's when he gave me this revelation. God looks at the heart. And this is what he said to me that day. Not only do I look at the heart, but I listen to the heart. Now listen to me on this. I'm not trying to start a new doctrine, and I'm not trying to, you know, I, I'm not trying to uh, change theology. But is it possible that God really doesn't hear our voice? He hears our heart. 
Is it possible that we are spirits and that God is a spirit and that we communicate spirit to spirit and so that when we sing, no matter how our voice sounds, God is actually not listening to our voice, but he's listening to our hearts. So God said to me, I want you to sing. I said, okay, Lord, uh, what song do you want me to sing? And this is what he said. I give you a song every morning. I will give you the song for that day every morning. Now you think about this. How many times have you awakened with a song on your heart? Or how many times have you said to, to, to your spouse or to someone around you, I've had this song going through my mind all day. Let me tell you, let me listen to me. This is important. That song is God's key into the Holy of Holies for you for that day. Did you hear that? Listen to me. Every day, God gives you a song. Now, you, you may not wake up with it every day. I mean, you may have had, you know, Supreme Pizza or something like that and so you don't wake up with it. You may wake up with something else on your mind. Yeah, I understand that. But somewhere in the morning, God will bring a song to your heart. And that song is your key into His presence for that day. And see, what that song is doing is it's focusing you on God. You begin to focus your mind and your heart off of your problems, off of your situation, off of your circumstances, and on to God. Psalm, uh, Psalm 100, verse 4 says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And we all know that. We all know that scripture. But somehow we forget about it. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. How do we come into his presence? Worship. Worship and praise. You know, when I preached on worship a while back, I talked about the three archangels, Gabriel, Michael, and Lucifer. And if we study them in Scripture, we, we know Lucifer fell. We know a third of the angels fell with him. It's possible, though, that each angel ruled over a third of heaven because when Lucifer fell, a third fell with him. But it's also possible that each of them ruled over uh, an aspect, a foundation of the church. In other words, let me explain what I mean by that. When you see Michael in Scripture, he's answering prayer. You see him answering Daniel's prayer in Daniel. When when uh, you see Gabriel in Scripture, he's bringing the word of the Lord. He brought the word of the Lord to, to Mary, the mother of Jesus, and to the mother of John the Baptist. So is it possible that Gabriel rules over prayer, that Michael rules over the word, and when you see Lucifer in Scripture, before the fall, he was involved in worship. So is it possible you've got prayer, worship, and the Word? Now you think about this. Every time we come together as a church, we're going to do three things. We're going to pray, we're going to worship, and we're going to have the Word. When we get together in a, in a small group, what are we going to do? We're going to pray, we're going to worship, we're going to have the Word. But nearly every teaching we hear on quiet times... They talk about two, only two. They talk about prayer and read the Bible. Pray and read the Bible. You need to pray and read the Bible every day. You need to pray and read the Bible. I'm not saying we don't need to pray and read the Bible. I'm simply saying we're leaving out one of the foundational stones of the church. And that's worship. 
And if it's true that Lucifer ruled past tense over worship, who do you think it is that doesn't want you to worship in your quiet time? Who do you think it is that affected worship in the church for hundreds of years to where when you went to church you sang these dead hymns over and over again that had no life to you? And it's just been in the past 20 or 30 years that the church has once again discovered his glorious presence through worship. So I'm simply saying to you, if you want to have an effective quiet time, the first thing you need to do is clear your mind. The second thing, focus your mind. And the way we do that is through worship. Here's the third thing. Pray your mind. And this is very simple. What I'm saying here is simply pray what's on your mind. Pray what's on your heart. You don't have to pray about world peace if that's not on your heart. You don't have to pray about all the senators if that's not what's on your heart. You don't have to, Lord, I pray for Senator Hillary. You know, you don't have to do that if that if Senator Hillary is not on your heart. If she's on your heart, pray pray about Senator Hillary. But if she's not, you don't have to pray about it. Talk to God about what you're burdened about. Prayer is transferring burdens. You are not designed to carry burdens. Prayer is transferring burdens. If you come out of your prayer closet and you're still burdened, you didn't pray, you just griped. Prayer is simply talking to God. I don't understand this, God. I, 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 don't, I, I don't understand what you're doing. I don't understand why this happened. I don't understand why I feel this way. Talk to God the way you would talk to your best friend. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Now, I really want you to hear these scriptures because this is an amazing scripture here. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing. Think about it. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Notice these words. With thanksgiving. That's worship. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And, if you'll do this, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart's and minds through Christ Jesus. This is a great verse. How can you be anxious about nothing? How can you not worry about anything? I don't worry about anything. Now, how can you get to that place? And what is the key to the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guarding your hearts and minds? I mean, it's like God's peace standing guard over your mind with machine guns. And your, your whole mind is just surrounded by the peace of God and nothing can get into your mind or your heart to get you stressed out because God's peace is standing guard. It's guarding your heart and mind. What's the key? Well, it's very simple. It's right there in the middle of the verse. What's the key to being anxious about nothing, not being worried or stressed out about anything? What's the key to the peace of God guarding your heart and your mind? Pray about everything. Let your requests be made known to God. Pray about everything. That's the key. If you're stressed out, you're not praying about everything. You're not transferring your burdens. You know, 1 Peter 5, verse 7 says, Cast all of your care on Him, for He cares for you. Now, there's, a, there's an old saying, you know, when you're leaving someone, sometimes they'll say, Take care. Hey, hey, take care. Now, I know what they're saying. I know they're saying, hey, be careful. You know, be cautious. Be careful when you go. 
But I personally don't like the saying, you know, take care. (laughs) See, the Bible says, cast all, all, all of your care on him, for he cares for you. And then you're leaving someone, they say, hey, when you leave now, don't don't forget, take care, you know, take worry, take stress, take anxiety, take care. I don't want to take care with me. I took care with me for years. I don't want to carry care around anymore. So I just, I personally, I, you know, when people say that, I kind of say under my breath, no, thank you. I, I'm not going to take care with me. I'm going to cast all of my care on him. So pray about whatever is on your mind. That's all you have to pray about, whatever's on your heart. And here's the fourth thing. Renew your mind. Renew your mind. And what I mean by renew your mind, read the word. Every day, read the word. Now, what I do is I just say to God, God, where do you want me to read today? Now, there are times I'm reading books, and there are times I'm reading through the Bible in a year or something, but that's not my personal prayer time. That's not my quiet time. My quiet time is, God, what do you want to say to me today? What do you have for me that I need today? Most of the time, what I read in the morning is what I need that day. And sometimes in the morning, I don't even understand it. But later in the day, I understand it. And I think, oh, this is what you were preparing me for this morning. Read the Word every day. That's renewing our mind. That's making our mind new again. That's causing my thoughts to line up with his thoughts. You know, if you, uh, if you worked out with weights once a month, how much do you think that would help you? How, how much stronger you think you would be if you worked out with weights once a month? Probably not much, would you? What about if you did it every day? What if you worked out with weights every day? You think that would help? Sure it would. Physically, you'd get stronger. All right? What if you read the Word once a month? Or once a week? How much is that going to help? What if you read the Word every day? You see, when you do, you are renewing your mind. Romans 12, verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Well, here again, we we have a question. How are you not going to be conformed to the world? How are you going to be transformed? How are you going to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God for you? How are you going to do that? It's right in the middle of the verse again. By renewing your mind. You see, the more I renew my mind, the more I read the Word, that's how you renew your mind, the more I'm transformed into His image and the more I think like He thinks. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, The Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even, watch this, to the division of the soul and the spirit. It pierces between the soul and spirit. It divides between the soul and spirit. You remember a moment ago we talked about our mind or our soul going, Hey, 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 hey. Every time we try to pray our mind, Hey, hey, hey. Soul, hey, 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 and our spirit. It's the Word of God. When I read the Word of God, it discerns the thoughts and intents of my heart is what this verse says. And it divides between my motives and God's motives. You know, some people just don't think in the faith realm. 
No matter how much I try to convince them, they cannot comprehend it. Do you know why this is? Now listen carefully to me. It's because they don't have enough of the Word in them. See, faith comes by hearing, Romans 10, 17 tells us. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word, by the Word of God. So the way I become a man or a woman of faith is I know the Word. I meditate on the Word. I memorize the Word. I read the Word. I study the Word. That's what gives me faith. When, I, when I'm up here preaching, let's say I'm preaching on tithing or giving. Some people in the congregation, faith just leaps in their heart. You know why? Because they know the Word. But other people, no matter how much I tell them, God will bless you. God will rebuke the devourer for your sake. God will not allow your vine to cast its fruit before its season. No matter what I tell them about it, they don't have faith. You know why? It's very simple. Because they don't know the Word. You will never be a person of faith if you do not read, meditate, and memorize the Word of God on a regular basis. Now, we're talking about reading the Word every day. Let me give you another verse on this. Psalm 119, verse 105. It's very famous. A lot of people know this verse, but listen to it. Think about it. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Your word is a lamp to my feet, my feet, my feet, and a light for my path. It doesn't say your word is a bright spotlight and I'll be able to see way down the road with your word. It's not what it says. It says it's a lamp to my feet. You know what that means? It's the next step. That's it. God's Word is a lamp to my feet. It's just enough light for me to see the next step. Let me tell you what else that means. It's daily. It's daily. Why did God give the children of Israel manna every day? Why didn't He give them manna every week? What was He trying to symbolize? What was He representing there? That we need it daily. You know, when the disciples said to Jesus, Lord, Teach us to pray. You remember what one of the parts of the prayer was? Lord, give us this day. Not this week. Not this month. Give us this day. Our daily, daily, daily. Not weekly, not monthly. Our daily bread. And just a few days before that happened, he said to Satan, Jesus said to Satan, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You know what he's saying? It's not bread. It's the Word of God. So he teaches us to pray, and he says, this way you need to pray. Give me today my daily bread. The Word that I need today. God not only has a song for you every day, He has a Word for you every day. God has a word for you today. But so many times we don't take the time to hear what it is. Now, basically, I've given you four steps to start. And I want to tell you what these four steps kind of represent. We talked about quiet your mind or clear your mind. And then focus your mind. And then pray your mind and then renew your mind. Let me tell you what these four steps really mean. Number one, it's like shutting out other voices. Number two, focusing on His voice. Number three, talking to Him. And number four, Him talking to me.
That's what these four. Let me one more time. Number one, focus, uh, clear my mind or quiet my mind is like shutting out other voices. Number two, focus my mind is like focusing on His voice. Number three, pray your mind is talking to Him. And number four, renew your mind is Him talking to you. Now, I'm going to give you a closing illustration. September 16, 1999, I was doing these four steps. I had quieted my mind. I would worshipped. I would prayed. And then I said to God, Now, God, where do you want me to read today? And this is what he said. I want you to read Genesis 35 and Deuteronomy 11. And I went over to Genesis 35 and Deuteronomy 11, and the Holy Spirit filled that room where I was and began to speak to me about planting a church in this area. And everything I read in those two chapters was about what God wanted to do through this church in this area. Listen to me. Gateway Church was birthed out of my quiet time. My personal prayer time is where the church, God spoke the church into existence. And I was doing these four steps that I've given to you today. My life and my destiny were changed by just doing these four steps. Now, hopefully today I've blown away some myths. You don't have to do it at a certain time. It doesn't have to last that long. I've blown away some myths about it. And I've given you some steps to start. God may change this. He, you may not do what I do. But just if, you, if you're having a difficulty, having a personal prayer time, just take these steps and start. And I promise you, you'll never regret giving the first part of your day to the Lord every day.